This week we've got a great interview for you. My name's Andrew Waters. I've been working in software for around 20 years now. I am Sarah Duty. I am the founder and CEO of Career Strategy Lab. Wiki, wiki, let's go. So my name is Francisca Haug. I'm Principal People Lead in the Process Intelligence Group at SAP Signavio. Um, my name is Alvaro. My name is Roy. Yeah, I absolutely nailed that, so we can just move on. Congratulations. <laughs> I currently work at Wikimedia Deutschland. Wikimedia. Awesome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. My name is Zoe. I'm Faye. I'm based out of Munich here in Germany. My name is Sarah Noe, and I live in Miami. It's hard not to swear when you do company accents. I'm the co-founder, co-CEO of Ironhack. My name is Anais. It's a, it's a big question, right? Who am I? But I'm an easygoing guy. Uh, <laughs> get to the point where you can get to the interview and then you can kind of prove your tech skills. I love immersive learning. I love intense learning. I love hands-on learning, learning by doing. So I thought, oh my God, that's the thing. So my name is Jesus. I'm the student success manager and the career coach at, at Ironhack. Exactly as you described, on the ground. Really strong energy boost. But you can smell it in the air. It was my favorite day. Yeah, it's static. Designing your career, selling yourself in your career, and marketing yourself in your career. They were still using the Microsoft Paint in 2017. Dan's <laughs> <laughs> processing the information. I am Rahaf Abu Hassan. Is it Django another one of those? No, he's a guy from Star Wars. I'm glad I made it before the 100th episode. Welcome, welcome. The 100th episode, we did it. We made it. We've done it. We've made our dreams come true. The arbitrary landmark of 100. I didn't think, I didn't think we would get there. I really did think we would get there. I remember when we asked Jan, who was going to be later on this episode, to take part. He said, if you make it to five episodes, I'll take part. (laughs) And then we, then we, we, we finally got him on episode 50. And now he was, I mean, he was even annoyed about joining them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now we're episode 100. We're just going to give him a little replay of his, of the advice he gave, I suppose. Um, yeah, which is, which is what today is all about, right? Why don't you give us a little, um, the, the long time listeners, a little heads up about what today's episode will. Yeah. So long time listeners will know that we've, uh, delved deep into the, uh, into the different worlds of iron, iron hack with Dave dived into the worlds of web dev. UX, UI, data, and uh, touched on some cybersecurity. And uh, what we've done today uh, for this episode, we've gone through taking some clips from our most popular shows um, and some of the sage advice that the, the guests have provided to us. So we've got, um, yeah, we've got some, uh, we've got some teachers, we've got some uh, graduates, we've got people who work in the industry, we've got some other kind of like education leaders. Mm-hmm. Oh, we so have. Good... We have had. We've had, yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, the clips of this show will be will be showcasing them. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, all jokes aside, obviously, people aren't listening to one hundred episodes in a row. But some of the data, the data, they some should. of the advice we get, um, or we've had throughout the last two and a half years now, has been, as you said, sage. So we just wanted to put that together, um, a bit of a clip show. Um, where we're gonna where we're gonna start off. So we're gonna start. We're gonna we're gonna cast. You're going to cast back to when the podcast was called Cast Iron, in fact. Mm. The yeah, so, first show we ever did. <laughs> so the reason we called it Cast Iron, Iron Hack, <laughs> Cast Iron, but non-English speaking uh, native speakers 
understood what the, the joke. So, I mean, cast iron is a thing. So yeah. I would be very interested to know, yeah, because we, the only feedback we got was, why are you, why have you called it why that? Why you called that? Yeah, well, you also, the more astute of you might have heard at the beginning this little... That was, um, well, you're going to hear that in a minute, but that was our original intro played on the, on the kalimba. Well, that was actually um, our second intro. Uh, this original intro was played on the ukulele. Yeah. And a fun, fun fact was that we were doing, back then we were doing it in person and uh, we'd used a, a vocal mic sellotaped to, or, or sticky taped to a <laughs> yeah. jug. And that was, yeah. that was the start. That was back when it just speak just about the music, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one we were cool, man. Before it got corporate, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. So let's do that then. Let's start. We're going to, throughout this episode, we're going to pop in and tell you, um, you know, what's up next. So maybe you can, you know, if, if a certain guest doesn't appeal to you, you can skip to the next bit. But the first one is just a little clip of the beginning, the early days, right? Ready? It's recording. Welcome to Cast Iron, everybody. The tech based podcast live from Berlin. Hello, um, I'm I am your host, and so is this man here. I'm DevOps Dan, and I'm Turnery Tim. <laughs> Dan, do you know what DevOps are? I am learning. Yeah. As as the days go by, it's actually a trick question because no one knows what it actually is. The operating, the daily operating. It's just rubbish. Right. <laughs> well, so I'm a student here, and we are coming at you from Ironhack in Berlin, and Ironhack is a tech specialist school mm. which provides 10 week intensive boot camps for any aspiring tech whizzes or wizards wizards or witches wizards or witches i feel like witches is a derogatory term yeah but it sounds cool though it's like derogatory but cool yeah i mean let's try not to overgender okay just specific, a magical specific. person people persons and personesses of the tech world yeah. come here to get their knowledge mm. and talking of one of those people um, we have Pauline here in the studio and she's going to be tackling a, a coding challenge whilst we're on air um, we'll post the link uh, along with the, the podcast itself so if anybody is, anybody is aspiring to beat her yes it's a Cold Wars cata if anyone yeah. if, you, if you already know what that is then you know exactly what you're getting in for and we're going to have Pauline complete one throughout this podcast and then give us a give us a shout when she's finished it's like a kind of a yeah it's just a, an intense challenge are you ready i'm gonna count down three two one begin that's there you go there's us sounding like <laughs> children uh, we, we should we should do the old format of having little skits like that little yeah, little yeah, little bits. yeah. um okay so from now we really quickly move on to sharp because Data is one of our least t- spoke about topics of the three Iron Hack disciplines. And we had one of our earliest guests, it's probably still one of our best guests, and that was Shah Davis. Yes, Shah Davis. And she Davis. talked to us about um, data. This was like peak corona time, actually. So she was talking oh. about um, like data blindness, the fact that everybody kind of knows uh, looking at charts now and everybody uh, has like kind of a base level of, of, of uh, data analytical skills that they don't even know about. And yeah. um, we we asked the age old question, of course, what the difference is between a between a data scientist and a data analyst. It was the mm. first time we ever asked that question. Mm. And, um, and and as you now know, we know that very very well. <laughs> yeah. We've been told every third guest for the last two years. So uh, yeah, here's here's Sean with a bit of Corona news. Enjoy this one. Peak peak Corona times. 
Oh, I don't have the old, what did you say? Corona? I don't have that. <laughs> Corona bones. Yeah, that's my, um, I don't know why I said that. No, okay. I thought it was a meme. Um, no, I, I don't have coronavirus, uh, but I uh, legally have to isolate in my house for 14 days. Responsible. After in a foreign country, yes. Very responsible. So Sean is the um, lead data scientist teacher in the Berlin bootcamp. Is that right? No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> I'm the lead teacher for the data, analyst, uh, data. data um, analytics even. Data analytics. Okay, that's science. Is, science is easier to say. Data science is way easier to say, but yeah, data analytics. What's the What's the difference, Sean? Great question. Uh, <laughs> one that we've been toying with a lot during during the boot camp. Um, data analytics is a bit more of a wider and less niche uh, speciality. So it's really about getting data from different places, um, working with it, preparing it, visualizing it, wrangling it, answering questions with data. And that can be someone who's very tech heavy, or it could be someone who's more visual heavy. Data science is the next step along. So that's using, uh, mostly using machines, um, AI, machine learning, unsupervised or supervised, to predict something based on data. So it's a, okay. it's a step up. Okay. Mm. Okay. So data analytics is the, is the way in, the entry point. Yeah, data analysts is, the, is exactly, that's the way in. So we are training data analysts, junior data analysts, but we also include a lot of data science methodologies. Uh, we introduce people to data science tools and uh, functionality and algorithms during the course, but it's not the whole purpose of the course because we're teaching more of those broad-based topics as well. Okay, I'm really glad to have you here, actually, because during my course, um, so web dev and UX are very hand-in-hand, uh, hand, you know, they design what it looks like and we do the feature side. I had very little contact with the data analytics students, so um, I've been really interested to find out what's on the curriculum, what it is that you teach, what kind of things you cover, um, how data analytics is in 2020. Sure. I mean, busy is what I can say. <laughs> data, <laughs> data became really cool this year for various obvious reasons. I think, yeah, so, yes. yeah lots, lots going on in data in data in twenty twenty. Uh, the problem is that everyone thinks they're a data scientist now because <laughs> everyone's got access to Corona data and they can visualize it or try to chart it. That's true. That's true. Everyone's- Before with uh, with web development, it was always the the hello world. You know, building your first hello world site. So it was like build your first React app and it's always hello world is the first thing that you show in the browser. But then now everybody's like the new hello world is a coronavirus tracker because (laughs) I've never looked at charts as long as I have uh, during these like, you know, areas of infection or infection rates over Europe. And so I've been staring at these charts uh, for the last uh, how many months? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really changed the nature of of the industry to a degree, because when I used to teach people about uh, data visualization, I was teaching people about what a chart is, you know, to a degree, it's like, this is a line chart, this is what you do with that, that's a time series analysis this is what you do with that. But I feel like the whole population of the world has been overwhelmed with charts through the <laughs> 2020s. <laughs> chart fatigue. Yeah, yeah. You, should make, you should make a chart about that. The, the yeah. <laughs> emergence of charts. charts. Yeah. Interesting charts over time. Well, there um, is this problem of um going kind of information blind right if you look at too much information then you can't you can't see anything you can't see the wood for the trees effectively people are bombarded by charts all the time you start not really paying attention to charts to a a weird angle on it no it's true yeah actually i love that phrase can't see the wood for the trees i use it a lot on this part on this podcast actually so uh, i think tim hates it so i'm I'm happy to have someone else (laughs) 
It's a, I always, I'm always hyper aware of when, when we have a phrase, and I mean, especially because the three of us are all from the United Kingdom. Hmm. Um, I'm always hyper aware of will, will listeners know what wood for the trees means? But yeah. I think wood for the trees is quite self-explanatory. Yeah. But when there's all three of us all speaking in UK slang, you know, it is hard to see the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wood, wood for the trees. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I like it. Another blast from the past. <laughs> Absolute blast. Uh, so on from Sean to Sarah. Sarah's kind of like a, uh, she's she's been on the podcast a couple of times now. She's mm-hmm. she's all about UX UI. She runs her own um, her own boot camp, kind of like a leveling up boot camp for people who might have taken a UX UI course or really want to kind of jumpstart their careers. Um, and the last episode we we spoke to her, she was talking about um, her book that's coming out. And then this first episode, which this clip is taken from, she was telling us about being wanting to be a neuroscientist and. Basically, what her path as a career changer, which is obviously yeah. very pertinent to to boot campers and pertinent like that, day in yeah. day out. Yeah. yeah, she is a one of the um, one of the all time great guests we've ever had. So, if you didn't hear it uh, on the first time around, now's your chance. Enjoy this little clip of Sarah, the duty duty. It's kind of a, a superpower of a user experience person to begin with, right? Connecting the dots between things and start with yourself and connect the dots. From your previous experience, whether you were, I don't know, like a criminal investigator and now you want to be a UX researcher. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were just going to say if you, you might have been a criminal. Yeah. And that was, <laughs> well, that was if you, you could be a criminal and make a great user experience designer, I'm sure, especially yeah. when it comes to stakeholder negotiations. And things. <laughs> just fill in this questionnaire after I've robbed you. <laughs> so speaking of um, career switching, you wanted to be a neuroscientist, correct? You know what? I did when I was in high school. Yep. I'm very interested to hear this this journey. <laughs> how did that how did that go? Well, I'm not sure what this will say about me, but I didn't really know what to do with myself when I was in high school. And I will say I was always very creative. I was always really good at writing and science and kind of that balance of right and left brain. Um and I thought to myself, I want to have a stable job so I'll become a doctor. But I don't do well with kind of the gory side of medicine. And I, so I thought to myself, neuroscience, you know, that seems tolerable. So (laughs) I, (laughs) I uh, got accepted to a really great program um, where I grew up in Ottawa, Canada. And then long story short, I ended up taking a year off and I didn't pursue it. But what interested me, I think was the mind body connection and like, the power of the brain and the psychology side of things, as well as the physiological side of things. Um, But that never happened, didn't play out. However, you know, looking at what I do in user experience, I think there are a lot of topics that, topics and strengths that you need to be a, a UX designer that are very adjacent to what I probably would have been doing with neuroscience. I think I probably would have fallen into more, you know, like behavior and things and not maybe a neurosurgeon, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, that's very interesting. We talk a lot about um, like this concept of imposter syndrome on the, Mm -hmm. on the, um, on the podcast, especially with like, there's a lot more of our coders, but obviously the UX UI students as well have the same sort of, um, experience i think especially when they're career switching and stuff so it's always Mm -hmm. really cool to talk to someone who comes from such a totally different background and to kind of 
explain to people or like show them that there really are so many parallel skills or reusable skills that can be can be taken into this world so mm-hmm. and now it's what's it called it's called the um, career strategy lab that you run now right yeah the career strategy lab and i would say a, a, a when I, I i'm such a analytical person and kind of like just get things done type person and so when i created this program you know it really is extremely granular instructions of how to make your resume. And here's an example of a good, better, best bullet point, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what I didn't focus on was kind of all the underlying issues that come up, despite having the instructions on how to make a resume, how do you deal with exactly what you said, the imposter syndrome, the confidence, etc. And it's kind of Continuing with our discussion on um, neuroscience, I spend a lot of time listening to like different Brene Brown podcasts and things. And I think it was an episode, or no, she was on Dax Shepard's podcast, um, Armchair Expert. And they were talking about the power of the stories that our brains make up. And um, she said, when things happen, our brain needs to know the outcome. <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. we will, for lack of a better word, kind of like spiral and fester and make things up. Like, for example, you, you know, your phone rings and you think to your, and it's your mom or something. And you think, oh no, like the worst has happened. Something is wrong with someone in the family. And like, you know, worst case scenario, catastrophizing, I guess mm-hmm. is the right word. <laughs> and she said, we do that because our brains need to know the the ending so they don't have to be in this messy middle. And the point of what she was saying was our brains don't know the difference between fact or fiction. Hmm. So if you can change that story from a negative one to a positive one, it's almost like you're trying to tricking yourself into shifting from that negative to the positive. So I know it's easier said than done, but I think it's something to keep in mind because the longer you fester in negativity or get caught in comparison and things, you know, the worse it's going to be. You're absolutely right. It's crazy that you mentioned that because I just finished reading a book actually. Um, And you couldn't tell if it was real or fake. Yeah. (laughs) Am I reading this? It was on a Kindle as well. So I was just like, is this a book or what? (laughs) No, it's um, about uh, a a woman um, who's a, she's a neuroscientist and she has all these concepts about how you, how your brain is basically always trying to trick you and like uh, pull you away from your focus and what your focus Mm -hmm. should be. And like this whole sort of idea of currency of attention and stuff. And one of the concepts she discusses in the book is very similar to what you're saying, which is this whole um, dropping the story, this idea of dropping the story mm. where you've got to be able to sort of see what your brain is is trying to give you this, like, as you say, it's giving you a middle and then it's trying to push you towards an end, be that positive mm-hmm. or negative or however it's skewed. But really what you need to be able to say is like, okay, I'm going to step one you know, pace away from this and then realize that my brain is just coming up with something to fill the, to fill the void almost. And then, uh, yeah, and then you can kind of reassess and, and kind of see what's what what was really going on and be a little bit more um, objective of, of, of the situation. It's almost mm-hmm. power of positive thought, right? It's almost like the same thing is like repackaged and given to us in loads of different ways. Like, I don't know, you know, that really, really famous book, The Secret, right? That mm-hmm. the core, the core 
at teaching at the learning at the middle of that is that like whatever you think out that whatever you project onto the world will will come back at you and there's so many different ways where it's like positive thinking is a, such a good way to move forward it's the same kind of thing you were saying then it's about like you're exactly right that it's much easier said than done because it almost mm-hmm. feels condescending to say to someone well just think positively all the time right and ignore the bad thoughts in in your head and this will right. eventually lead to a better path and I wish there was an easier answer but it really is like well, hard work and positive thought right so duty called I, duty called indeed I I like that whole topic of posit- the power of positive thinking we don't yep. talk about that as much these days I think we should bring it back we don't talk about it but we incite it through yeah, yeah, yeah. positive content um, or general vibe speaking of good vibes and happy people next one is Clements de Robert yes very nice um, I, saw <laughs> I just saw her recently I just walked past her in the really? in the train station, not today, but last week, I think, week before last. Wow. Just walked past her. Yeah, she was in Berlin talking at a conference because she is a powerhouse in the UI product design game, and she so was nice. talking at um, Hatch Conference here in Berlin. And on the way home, I just bloody saw her, and I was like, oh, "Very nice, what's going on?" So yeah, um, but she's back off on her adventures now, I think, somewhere Spain. Well, probably. she uh, she talked to us about her adventures a little bit on this on this show uh, that we recorded with her, and the clip we talked about freelancing uh, flexibility, and she kind of gave us a first taste. I think this was like almost three years ago. We talked about this, like how she balances traveling and mm-hmm. her career, and you know, like about her time and stuff. So yeah, it was very interesting. We've we've had her on a few times since then. I think. Yeah, she was um, one of those first people who was... Uh, when it, it's it, interesting now because back then she was talking about how to build a freelancing career and now she's three, four years into that. She's like yeah. absolutely done it. So um, so yeah, enjoy this next ditty from the past. Uh, Clements. <laughs> I constantly get asked questions about the freelancing aspects. And I, I've noticed that more and more people are curious into getting into it and changing the form of, of work. Uh, yeah. And I get a lot of questions about that. I think as well, um, you're definitely one of the, uh, the peak um, self promoters uh, of the, of, of our guests as well. I think you do a very good job of getting yourself out there and, and uh, um, coming across as somebody who knows what they're talking about, I think, which is very important. Oh, really? Uh, that's yeah oh really (laughs) (laughs) for sure it's a freelancing thing is is really um at the forefront of a lot of people's minds Uh i think right now a lot of people get into iron hack in order to tim you got into iron hack in order to take control yeah yeah take control of body and soul i think that's Mm -hmm. what i said it to you at the time lose your mind what's the lyrics what's the next lyrics i can't remember I'm I think sure I'm quoting. I think I'm quoting five. Five. You've yeah. got a '90s British boy band. Yeah, I am. Yeah, no one's going to know you. Um, but the um, yeah, the, the freelancing aspect, I think, is. Uh, I think it goes kind of. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people start looking at it and thinking it's very freeing, and they're like, "Yes, this is the way that I'm going to take back control of my life. I'm just going to sit on a beach somewhere," as you kind of allude to in your article that you wrote for Ironhack. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. I think there's also then this like wave to, con- to keep continue the beach analogy. There's this wave of like, how am I going to get holidays or is the paperwork too much or all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's amazing when you persist with it and actually make it work as a lifestyle because yeah, mm-hmm. it seems a little bit overwhelming, I think from my point of view. Well, for me, it's, it's a way and there is other ways, but it's a way to find a, a balance that corresponds to 
um, the way you want to live. And, um, and I always say that it could be freelancing, it could be entrepreneurship, it could be working for a company, um, in, in a format that you like. But for me, freelancing was the way that I found to find my, uh, ideal, uh, balance of life. And it, that can be different for everyone. And also, even if you start freelancing, there is as many ways of doing it as there are freelancers because you start, uh, re-questioning all of the, um, all of the criterias of work that you've usually grown into. And so once you start questioning the schedules, the location, uh, the, the way you get paid, uh, almost everything is possible. And so each yeah. freelancer will tell you something else, like, and some people do it for different reasons. Uh, me personally, um, for example, I prefer working a little bit less and having more time to myself rather than working more and making more money. Um, um, or I prefer, let's say, working with less clients and having a more um, following clients in the long term or projects in the long term rather than having too many at the same time. I can attest to that. My best friend started freelancing full time a year ago and I asked him about his holidays and he said every day I take off now is a loss of money. So he's the opposite. He works exactly. hard for the money as opposed to, but he has the option, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But So I guess that's one of the things that we can dive into really, like that navigation of, of contracts and clients and how do you feel like you're getting a bit overwhelmed or, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if underwhelmed fits the right mm-hmm. in that term as well, but like, where how do you find the level, I guess? So I feel like I'm still at the beginning of this journey and I am still trying a lot of different formats. So the first thing that I tried was getting one contract full time in the mid term for like many months with one client. And I did that at the beginning and I had a very stable life. Um, It was almost the same as working for a company, but administratively it was handled differently. Um, I felt more, more free because I could get in and out of the the job anytime. Um, And I had like a, a stable income. And also it allowed me to, I was going to the office with the team every day and I felt like I was part of the team and and I really liked that format and I thought I would continue like that. Um, then w- at the beginning of this year, when I started looking for contracts again in Europe, I think I had my first contract, which was one month or two months. I did that and then I had new opportunities coming up in different formats. Like one company asked me to be with them two days per week, more in a consultant type of work where they... They don't really do UX uh, design in their team and they wanted to try it out with someone. So they wanted me to kind of help them putting the processes in place uh, and teaching the team into how to include that in their work. So I agreed to do that. And then I had three days free per week. So I added another one for one or two days per week and then another one. And now I'm trying the other format, which is managing different clients at the same time. And I have between two to four clients at the same time. And that has been really more challenging to navigate, but also very insightful because I'm I'm like, I'm all over the, the place and I'm learning a lot because I'm applying what I do to different types of projects and different types of companies. 
So one of them was a startup, a podcast startup, actually, in France. Sounds very, sounds very interesting. <laughs> what was it called? Magellan. Talking of powerhouses. Well, we were in the last intro talking about houses, but there's been 15 minutes of content since then. So. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. We were talking um, about before, but now we've got the the man of the moment. I think the been the, the man Yan, of the, the Yan years. of the moment. Yeah, the Yan of the moment. Yeah, Yan about town. Yan Revenue. <laughs> so Yan is he was the teacher when I was a teaching assistant. He was your teacher, mm-hmm. and um, he was the teacher of friends of mine in subsequent courses who have learned friends of mine who have now gone on to become you know their a few years into their career now, Jan taught them. Jan taught them. It was always yeah. Jan all the way down. Jan is, it, I think the word legend is, it wouldn't be overused for this guy. Um, it absolutely wouldn't. And you can tell just by the clip. If you don't know yeah. what Jan looks like and you listen to just this audio, I'd like you to draw what you think he looks like and send it to us. Do you know um, what I would like to do is run the clip through mid-journey. And, and ask it to... Mm, I, I, I bet it would be not a far-off approximation because he is yeah. the kind of man who, who you know, sounds like he looks. Yeah, well, without further ado, here he is, Jan. Yeah, without any more Sarah Doody, here's Jan Redman. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been coding for? Um, around, I would say, nine years. Oof. Yeah. Are you going to celebrate the 10th year? Probably, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> With a, doing a small exercise on... <laughs> Build a React app that doesn't do anything. Level 8 cutter just to celebrate. Yeah. 8 is low, doesn't it go about like... Yeah, 8 is lowest. 8 yeah. lowest. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, so tell you mentioned there that you were a professional, did a bit of professional poker before, mm-hmm. before you were coding. How did you get into coding? What was the journey? The journey um, to leave what was the, Where was the switch? Where was the switch moment? The switch was like this. I, I, I played online poker as a profession, and at some point, um, the market dried out a little, so the legal situation was getting tougher and tougher. The, the markets were re- regulated first. The Americans couldn't play, which were notoriously bad players and um, then also another problem came up so uh, some guys from the, the in there is a software for backgammon uh, it's called backgammon snowy um, that when it came out killed backgammon online playing for money because the program just knew or, or came up with a, the best move um, in backgammon tournaments nowadays, if the contestants are unsure what the best move is, they enter the situation into that program, and then it suggests the best move. Similarly, like you can do the same in chess using some ch- um, chess engines. And these people uh, did the same for No Limit Hold'em, which is the, the variant that I pl- uh, that I played. Um, which was before not really, it wasn't possible to to build a bot that could really compete with really good players because in that no limit situation where you can always bet any amount, it's very hard to calculate it through. So this program came out and at that point I realized or feared that probably it's, it will not be possible to do it another 10 years or so. And then I thought about, okay, what could I else do some people from the poker scene uh, transition to uh, foreign exchange trading so trading currency pairs 
that though seemed like hocus pocus to me and <laughs> sounds uh, silly coming from professional poker and then saying something like trading is like uh, nonsense but this is how it seemed to me and then in one in one poker forum where originally strategies were discussed people talked about what could we what else could we do instead of playing poker and uh, one guy said um Software development really is the biggest strategy game in the world. And then, <laughs> <laughs> this stuck nice. with me. And um, yeah, I was always interested in coding. Also wrote some code as a kid uh, before, but uh, always like regretted that I wasn't part of that yeah, huge change that we see in our lifetime. So not actively, acti actively participating in that. And uh, yeah, so I had this sentence in mind because I I, pers I saw playing poker like a strategy game. So it's not gambling; it's it's just a skill game with some element of luck. But playing the game was only part of my day-to-day -day routine. Analyzing the game was a much bigger part. Really. Mm. Are you a poker player, Dan? Uh, no, I'm. I'm not. 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 No. I'd be very, very scared to play poker with Jan. I reckon it'd be terrible. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 absolutely games game strategy theory he's man all it. the way down. He's gamed it. Yeah, he's gamed it. And but speaking of, um, I mean, Jan was was an absolutely amazing coding teacher. But our next and final guest of the clip show or the look back is um, the penultimate, penultimate one. Um, yeah, is a a long time legend coder himself. Works for Travago for. 20 know, years. 10, 20 years, yeah. So um, this guy gave us, Tom. Uh, Tom. Yeah, Tom gave us some <laughs> incredible insight into what it's like to be a developer and what that looks like across the span of 20 years. So if you didn't get to listen to this one the first time, please do enjoy it right now. Yeah, I would definitely recommend, I think of all the apps that we've recorded for junior developers, maybe even people who are like looking to take the step after being junior, this is probably the one episode to listen to because... Tom gave us this like three-step process of improving your your career, so it's worth checking out. Maybe you could give us a quick overview of those of the, of the three kind of like bullet points or the three topics that you discussed, and then we can we can drill into each one in a little bit more detail. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, <clears throat> that presentation was called "Elements of Seniority," so I um, talked a bit about this concept of seniority because everybody wants to become a senior developer. All the companies are looking for senior developers, and but it's also my impression that it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, what is seniority? What is a senior developer? And I've tried to bring some some clarity into that, and I um, I offer three hypotheses in this presentation um, because seniority usually is, is a bit of a synonym for experience. People want experienced software developers. And I think experience is, is important in a way. Nothing can replace it in some situations at least. That's hypothesis number one, which is bad yeah. for a boot camp um, person, right? Um, but yeah, the other can, one... can be quite a daunting, a daunting way to look at it. Yeah, but, but wait for it. Um, <laughs> the second hypothesis is that experience is not measured in years. And... 
that's yeah. that's a good thing for bootcamp graduates. I can hear and, the re- relief from the listeners. <laughs> and the third hypothesis that is that experience is not everything. It also depends a lot on other um, qualities of your, of your character. And this is again good for bootcamp graduates. Do you have? A, do you actually have a favorite episode? Can you think of a favorite off the top of your head? No, man. There's been so many good ones though. That's hard to say. Yeah, it really yeah. has I been. I don't know you. if I do have a favorite one. Um, I think if I flew through, I really like them old school ones, like the one, the one year anniversary episode we did, where it's like we're interviewing people in those tiny booths, and there's yeah, actually yeah. no reason <laughs> for us to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I'm talking, talking about talking about boot camps, and it's, we had this whole conversation. And um, you know, when you interview so many great people uh, over so much time, it's really hard to forget. So I'm enjoying this little delve into them. Um, yeah, immensely. All right, Tom there, celebrating the world of uh, being mm-hmm. a senior developer and how to get there. And now... I don't know who... The, yeah, I don't know who it is. That's the I don't know who it is jingle. Max. <laughs> Max. Max. <laughs> All right, Max class. Okay, it's which Max, one of yeah. Max's episodes is it? Well, we I chose a clip from the most recent one because Max, right. uh, Max you and I took, took a deep dive into Max, the world UI. of AI. Max, you and I, user mm-hmm. and interface. Right, right, right. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, we took a bit of a dive into um, yeah, AI and development. I mean, in design, sorry. And um, yeah, I think that of all the things that has changed in the last uh, 100 episodes, I think that's probably been the biggest sea change is the, is the, in the world of tech is this AI mm-hmm. revolution. Yeah. Um, I reckon just before our time, it would probably would have been like social media, maybe before, just before we well, finished. Uh, probably. Maybe, maybe so. Figma. But yeah, um, so think- yeah, he he came on very, very, very early in the show, and now again recently. So I think it's fitting that he's in this little uh, little. Do you know what slot? What when he came in? When he came on the show first, he was he was a mere student, and then now he's a <laughs> mere. There's no no yeah. the students aren't mere. They're not like <laughs> sorry, mere. Sorry, he was a mighty student. <laughs> yeah. And now what? he's a mighty lead teacher. Now he's a lead teacher. He was a student, and then he's a teacher. So okay. fucking no run, run, run the clip, yo. Run the clip. Flip the switch. What, 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 what? We're going to run the clip. <laughs> we just talked about it before. The, the, the shift that came with AI and with this explosion in the last uh, year, basically, um, that introduced things and workflows to our industry that or even design opportunities that we wouldn't even have considered before and still i think uh we're still learning how to how, how has it been for you it, it really interesting because yeah really interesting because i i i left uh i mean i i entered iron hack as a teacher right in december last year um and like chat gpt wasn't a thing so it just started right after i started so i had to kind of uh, teach myself new workflows and new practical work skills while I was teaching <laughs> and uh, figure out how we're going to actually grow with the times um, while I was teaching, which was great fun. But of course, yeah, there was a certain challenge there to, to be able to offer our students something insightful that definitely will, will change their, their work. I would just have every student question, just write anything, any questions you have, write, write them to me, submit them in writing, and then I'll just check Oh, nice. I, I, might, I might redirect them next time, yeah. <laughs> How do I answer this student correctly? As well as ChatGPT, though, like I mean, for my limited knowledge of like how you conduct the, the lessons or the, the course, it's like obviously Figma and 
um, the design uh, tools are like very prominent. Are there like AI tools built into those now that like? Do, I don't think you know any of the design tools, and I think you it's Figma and Figma. You know, there's paper. There's a paper tool you can use. Paper and pens very yeah, handy. Right. MS Paint. MS Paint. M- is good. MS still. Paint. Shout out know. to MS Paint. Yeah. Uh, Illustrator. Yeah, we use that most. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually honestly don't, except for like uh, you know, uh, Adobe Suite. I don't know any other ones. Yeah, I mean those those are super important and popular, right? I think uh, Adobe is a good a keyword here because they introduced some things. Uh, everyone was gushing over the mm. Photoshop AI um, feature that they've added. And I think Figma is, well, Figma has some plugins from uh, external third-party services that, that have added some AI. And I think um, they have also planned to, to introduce or to integrate their own AI system, which, as far as I know, is still in beta phase. Um, but it's definitely becoming part of our regular workflows already. I think some of them, you know, we've seen it with ChatGPT. We've seen it with ChatGPT that um, the things are kind of, Still a little clunky here and there, but um, it's it's developing, it's growing with the times, and also improving while we use them. Um, it's exciting. I think it's super exciting to figure out these new tools while I'm teaching them, mm-hmm. um, and it's cool to see a new generation of designers kind of play around with these new opportunities. I think the major impact this has on our industry, as designers specifically, is that uh, we get to kind of outsource or. Uh, speed up a lot of this uh, technical work, the things that are kind of easy uh, and don't require deep deep thoughts or, or a lot of reflection, uh, whereas we can potentially, hopefully, this is where I hope the industry is going, uh, spend more time on the conceptual parts, on research, on, on figuring out really innovative, cool solutions instead of having to you know, design the 15,000th uh, primary and secondary button that anyway all look yeah. the same in the end, right? <laughs> Um, and that's it. That's a little uh, kind of half an hour tight summary. Of yeah, well, meandering. We call it tight. Yeah, it was quite long, but tight. there's it's definitely some some um, snapshots of what's been happening. I think yeah. if you've been pe- if your interest has been peaked, I would just dive dive in. Just if you're doing a web development course, look for the web development. They're all labeled. Just yeah. just cruise through it. And cool. Also, as, after, as this is the 100th episode, it's likely that we'll come back and listen to this one if we get to 200 and be like, oh, oh, yeah. what, what did we do? For so just to speak to those people directly, I'm surprised you're still doing it. Do you know, um, if we do, if we do the same time, we'll, we would have been doing, we've been running this podcast for six years. If we get to 200. Well, unless we, unless we, you know, step up the schedule again, do it every week. Yeah. Do it every twice a week. And then we'll get it there in half that know. time. Yeah. No, we've already, I think, no, I think <laughs> if we get to 200 episodes, that would just be a testament to how, useful the iron hack um community is because people are still getting value from it years down the line getting that gold mm. digging that gold all right so are we is it, are we calling it a day right here is this our outro this is it yeah right. this is, this well this is, is it this then is well then i'll see you on the other side of of another 100 see, and i tell you what just no spoilers but episode 101 is going to be yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it's going to be quite an experience it's going to be a big one so here we go Ha, 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 ha.